I thought about four different intros today of how we could connect this problem with work. How do we see ourselves in light of God, in light of the Bible, in light of, um, in light of what we do? And the truth is, they all led down the wrong roads. They all didn't get us to the right destination, so there is no intro. So we're starting a series on love work, and maybe that's an oxymoron to you, but we really do think love can work and that we can love work. And so uh, we talked last week about how God created work, how he was a worker, how work is good, and how when we come to this place with God where we understand that we're created in his image, that, that he has designed us to flourish, thrive, and actually cause other people and other things to flourish, that we actually live into this place, this wellspring, or this, this flourishing place with God, and it's awesome. The problem is that most of us don't experience that day in and day out. If you were to do a survey of people and ask them if they are satisfied with their work, most of them would say, uh-uh. Now, we can wonder why, um, and today we're going to actually wonder why together. We're going to look at the foundational problems with work, not just if there are problems, but more what is the foundational problem? What happens when we follow that problem, and is there a way to solve that problem? So if you think about your work or you, you talk to people that, that deal with what they do and the problems they might have with it, a lot of people talk about outside influences. Outside factors are the problem. You know, like you might work on a design team. You might get to sketch or design or dream or draw up proposals and plans and of this great thing that's going to happen. And you pass it off to the sales team and you eagerly await for them to bring the results back of this million dollar contract and the sales team comes back and they say, we didn't get it. And you start to ask questions about it and really the reason they didn't get it is because the sales team is not good at their job. Months of work down the drain. Or maybe you're in healthcare. Healthcare is fun, right? My wife's in healthcare. Healthcare, you ask people why they go into healthcare, they say, uh, usually like something like we want to help people get well. And then you ask them what they do, and you find they spend an enormous amount of time thinking about efficiency limitations and thinking about technology implementations and thinking about insurance reimbursement and just thinking about the government administration. They don't love their work. Paperwork too, yeah? Or uh, someone who's in the snow removal business, and they're not in South Dakota right now, and so work's not good for them. Um, or you go to school because your job is to be a student, and your school's pipes burst. This happened in Lakeville last year. Pretty hard to do your job when your school breaks down. Um, or the easiest example, you work for the government, and it shut down. Makes it a problem to work. And if we just had outside problems with work, we would say that work is not the problem. It's the outside factors that are the problem. Except that there are factors inside the jobs that make work a problem. Uh, like being a teacher and having to deal with um, the joys of students, but the challenges of administration. Not only the challenges of administration, the challenges with parent support. And then on top of that, no matter, at least some teachers tell me, no matter how hard they work, no matter how many hours they put in, no matter how successful they are, they get the same paycheck all the time. Or maybe your paycheck doesn't come from that because 
you work at home and you get to make children thrive and make a home work. And there is uh, a lot of work that happens in that job. And you clean up this and you organize this and you plan this and you help these little people flourish. And then you come back and you realize, oh, I've got to do this again. And I've got to do this again. And I've got to help these people flourish again. And, huh. and then you come back and, and the work is endless at home. It's never done. It's never clean. It's, the children are never, and I don't mean this in the worst way, but they're never happy enough. Um, and so it just feels like it's never going to end. And sometimes people say it even seems fruitless. Like I get to the end of a week and I wonder, what do I have to show for this week of work? So the problems point to some inside factor They might point to an outside factor, but I would say, regardless of those, the foundational problem is not outside or inside of any organization. The problem is actually inside of us. So, the Bible writers talk about this problem being inside of us, and some people don't buy it. Some people say, you know, other things. But I would just like to go down this road and see where it leads. So, If you know the Bible story, then Genesis 1 and 2 talk about uh, how everything started out good. There was no death, there was no evil, there was no sickness. um, And there was work, but work was an expression and an overflow of who we were created to be. Work was not for sustenance. Work was not for survival. And that's exactly what the Bible writer wants us to do. Can you imagine where Work wouldn't be dependent upon the paycheck, where work wouldn't be dependent upon this worry of, have I done enough? Do I have enough? Work without worry. That would be pretty awesome. There's one catch to work without worry. And Genesis tells us it has to do with this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This one thing that the humans can't do, which is really a symbol of this dependence on God. God would sustain us. God would cause us to flourish. God would cause us to thrive. And as we were connected to him, understanding this, work would be a blessing. Work would be an overflow. And that was the catch. And these humans, Adam and Eve they're called, they didn't really like that. I don't know how much you like to rely on other people. This is the foundational problem with us, and it's the foundational problem with work. And God, like a gracious, wise parent, sometimes knows the best thing to do is give the kids exactly what they ask for. And that's what God does. The Bible writer says, and we're going to pick it up in Genesis 3, If you have a Bible, um, Genesis 3, verse 16. If you don't and you want one, we have some in the back. If you don't have one, you can keep it. Uh, We'll have them on the screen too, but sometimes people like to make notes. Genesis 3, verse 16 says, God is saying to this woman after they decide not to be dependent on God, I'm going to make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children Your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. 
to Adam, or the man, he says, because you've listened to your wife and you've eaten the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you not to eat from, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. For from it you are taken. For dust you are, and for dust you'll return. Maybe you've been at a funeral and you've heard those words, and they don't sound very uplifting. And they're not very uplifting, but they do state a reality where God gives us what we want. See, these are way more than poetic words. These are about the most important aspects of our life now being disconnected from God and the result of that. So think about it. You know, uh, yes, it's a little bit different today, but think about throughout history, throughout millennia, what were two of the most important things that a woman could do? Her work was in the home, and her love was hopefully, probably, her husband. Made to be harmonious and complementary, and instead, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Regardless of how you interpret this passage, I think we can agree that that says uh, there's going to be conflict and contention. And and the thing that you're going to find the most joy in life from, raising a family, taking care of a home, it's just going to be painful. In fact, very painful. And sometimes, if you have kids who are growing or grown, you know that this pain, which started at childbirth, really just changes, but still brings pain. And so the two most important, most fundamental aspects of being a woman, at least throughout history, are twisted. Same thing for the man. Throughout history, two most important things for a man. Loving his wife, a relationship with his wife. We've just talked about how that's contentious and conflictual now. And his work. And because they wanted to rely on themselves, they got to rely on themselves. Work became their means of sustenance now. Think about the words that are used repeatedly. Repeatedly to emphasize how important this was. Through painful toil, you will eat food from the ground. You're not cursed, but the ground is. And this is how you're now going to get your food. Before, ever been to an apple orchard? We like to do this in the fall. Pick. You know, rub, eat, put one in the bag, pick, rub, put it in the bag, maybe eat another one. They kind of take that into account because, you know, you spend like 22 or $23 because your kid's got a little overzealous picking or maybe that's just me. But the point is, like, the apple orchard is the garden. Work is not at all having to do with eating or surviving. To survive, they pick and they eat. And instead of just apples, they get everything. And instead of having to pay too much money for it, they just get to eat it. And now they have to work for it. This is tied to this idea of sustenance, that it's going to be challenging. It will produce thorns and thistles. That could be your new phrase this week. How's work going? Thorns and thistles. 
It just seems like no matter how much I do, it just kind of isn't enough. Or I try really hard and this result comes out sideways. Thorns and thistles. And you'll eat. It'll get you by, but barely. It'll get you by, but barely. Some of you are in that situation and you're tired. Because work is just getting you by, but barely. By the sweat of your brow, and just another way to say hard work, you'll eat the food. And then you'll go back to the dust because God created him from dust and he'll return to dust. Again, emphasizing, not a curse, but this reality that you wanted to be reliant on yourself. And I will now make you reliant on yourself. And what does that look like? Well, because humans rejected God as their source, that means, I would say, that means we're tempted to substitute any other resource as our source. Okay, think about that. If you're a note taker, it goes like this. The foundational problem with their work is that we're dissatisfied in our relationship with God. I know, it doesn't seem like work, but go with me for a second. The foundational problem with our work is that we're dissatisfied with our relationship with God, and because we're dissatisfied with our relationship with God, because we want to rely on ourselves, God lets us rely on ourselves, but now we have to rely on ourselves, so now we're tempted to substitute anything else he gives us, any other resource, and make that the source. See, God does, or Adam did this in the very next thing. Go to verse 20. After God proclaims this reality in their lives, Adam names his wife Eve because she will become the mother of all living. Eve meaning life or Eve meaning living. Eve was meant to be a resource, not for him to use or twist, but a partner in this. And he stopped seeing her as a partner and sees her in what would give him life and what would give them life. He makes the resource the source. And I think that's what happens when we follow this foundational problem. I would say it like this. Sin goes down the road that selfish ambition starts on. And it just naturally follows. Work was essential, and now it becomes central. Think about how many people struggle with work being their source. You know, work is your source if it becomes your source of purpose. Okay? See how long you can go in a conversation with someone before you start talking about work. You know, when you're meeting somebody new, so what do you do? Oh, I opened with that. So who, where do you live? Who lives in your house? What do you do? Oh, it's hard to escape. Um, one woman, or a friend of mine, was talking with a woman who's in sales. She loves sales. Her manager wanted to motivate them in sales and inspire them for performance. And so in a moment of, of ideation, he says, I know, we can put up two boards. This will motivate people. We'll have these boards up in the common room between the cubicles and the offices. And now every day you can go to the boards and you can see if you're a winner because I'll put winners on this side and I'll put losers on this side. Like, I'm not kidding. This guy did, like, this happened to this woman. And she didn't think anything of it because there weren't very many losers on the loser board. There were a lot of winners on the winner's board. And for months and months and months and months and months, her name was up there every time. She thought, oh, yeah, this is great. The one tough month. 30 months into her job. Darcy, 
on the loser board. She had no idea what a devastating label that would be. She was embarrassed. She was angry. She was anxious. She went to work for the next weeks over and over, anxious, like, will I get to get my name off this board? What will happen if I don't get it off this board? Maybe you used to do um, flashcards in front of people in school, like, in a way to motivate students. They thought, I know, we can help people learn their multiplication tables by throwing up flashcards and having the students line up and, and see who's winning. And then when you lose at doing this, multi, this super fast processing of memorization, which some students are great at and some other students, their brains don't work that way and they're very intelligent. And so, and you get it right, oh, you go over here. It's the same thing. There's a winner board and a loser board. And now all of a sudden, you're like, what? I'm just not good at math. This woman was like, oh, why am I at this job? You know, work has become your source and your source of purpose. When like this woman, you get stuck. And you wonder, why am I in this job? Because the job became about winning. She lost the purpose. You know, work is your source and it becomes your source of identity if you're in a situation where you don't know how to take off the role. Uh, this is really tough for single parents, at least the ones I've talked to, because they pour out their life for their, their family, because they have to. They work hard. Single parents are some of the people that can squeeze a minute, like every single minute out of an hour. And they, they do it to give their kids what they need, some of even what they want, being able to be involved in activities, plus they've got to work and they've got a job and they've got to make sure, or not only work, but also be mom and dad in a situation. And it's hard. And people who do that well do it. But people who have it become their identity can't let it go. And so the kids move out. And these parents all of a sudden start showing up uninvited to places. And they kind of hover. And they do for their adult children what the kids should be able to do for themselves. And they can't let this role go because it has become who they are. Work becomes our source. And when it becomes our source, it becomes a source of worth for us. If it's not identity or purpose, it might be worth. And this played out for a guy who landed a job in his early 30s or late 20s. And it was a good job, and they worked hard. Promotions followed. Not only did promotions follow, raises followed, bonuses followed, but he, he left work because it was a good work environment. And he got married, they had some kids, and things were still going well, and then the climate changed. And all of a sudden, the demands increased, and when the demands increased... Um, there were still bonuses that increased, and there were still um, there were still promotions that increased, but but he was gone more and more and more. But he got rewarded at work for those things. Then he'd come home late, and he'd see that the dishes you know weren't done, so he'd do the dishes, and he'd wait around for his wife to say something. Because at work, when he does extra, everybody says something. Wife doesn't say anything. Wife says, well, it's about time you helped. And instead of seeing 
his work as a role and a piece of his life. Remember, work went from essential to central, and so he starts finding his worth in his work and starts being gone more and more and more, and she starts to resent him more and more. Not good. None of those are good. How do we fix it? Can we fix it? Well, I think the way we fix it is we have to admit where we're at. Just like I didn't have an introduction, so rather than going down the wrong road for an introduction and then having to figure out how to fight my way back, I said, you know what, I'm not even going to go down the road. Because sometimes progress means in, sometimes progress means admitting where you are and turning around and starting over. Anybody use the GPS or maybe you've got it on your phone and you slap it up on the dashboard and you're like, nope, I will figure out. And they're like, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Nope, I will, I, will, I will get there. I will figure out some way. I know, I know there's a road. And if you've ever driven through, oh, I don't know, Woodbury, uh, St. Paul, uh, pretty much anywhere, they've got these dead-end streets that you're, ah! Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Some of us are doing that in our work. We keep thinking, If I just make another adjustment, if I just make another adjustment, if I just make another adjustment, it'll be okay. And the fact of the matter is, at least the Bible tells us, no, it won't. We've got to turn around and return to the source. Start over. Now, start over doesn't mean start our life over. It means our thinking. We start over. So we fix the problem by returning to our true source And this hint comes from this threefold kind of consequence of this painful toil that will have to produce food, painful toil, produce food, work hard, produce food, and we have to go back to what was before that. What was before that was this threefold blessing that God gave at the very beginning of creation. So Genesis 1, God says, let us make mankind in our image, in the image of God. He created them. They will rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over all the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And then he says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He gives this threefold identification. This is where we find our identity. This is where we discover who we are and whose we are. There's a threefold consequence, there's a threefold blessing. This is where we have to return. And then God blessed them and gave them work to do as a blessing and an expression of who they were. This is what we've got to come to. We've got to discover that our dignity, our significance, and our identity come from being created in God's image because of faith in Jesus. So what does that mean? If that's true, then what does that mean? I think what that means is that now we're in a situation where our work is a role, not our life where it goes back from being central to just essential. Something we do. Now, not only that, work isn't about paycheck. It's not about a status. It's not our identity. So what I say to people that are on my staff team or that lead a ministry for me, remind me, I'll try and say this every time we talk. Every time you wonder about if you're doing a good job, I will remind you, I care more about who you are than what you can do. 
Every time my kids get out of our van and I get to drop them out, I get the wonderful privilege a couple days a week of dropping them off at school. I say, remember whose you are. And they look back and smile and say, God's. Yep. And that way when they come home and they bring a D plus home on a test, I go, whose you are. That's important. We're going to study some math though. (laughs) But it's not going to be your life. I'm not going to put you in a box label you and let you draw your identity from that. When we remind ourselves that we bear God's image and that work is an expression, then we can return to this place of freedom. The place of freedom that God said, you're free to eat from any of these trees. You're free to live in this dependent relationship with me. See all the freedom rather than seeing the one restriction that you need to depend on me. That frees us up to see our work As an expression, it frees us up to not find our purpose or our identity or our worth or our power or status in our work. It allows us to find those things in God. That's what Jesus came to do. He said, I've come to complete the work that God had for me. Wherever the Father is working, that's where I work. Sometimes I don't work, sometimes I do work. He healed people and then he left and went to other towns. It didn't seem to make sense until we realized that at the end of his life, he gives his life to bring us back to God. There was no way that we could restore this broken image on our own. We would keep trying and failing. We were so far down the road, there weren't enough recalculations possible. So Jesus gives his life for us. And through his death and resurrection, He restores us with God, and now we can return to the source. With Jesus as our source, we are now able to live out of this place of freedom. A freedom from needing a prominent job. A freedom from just worrying about money. It's even a freedom to have, um, be free of a condescending attitude about someone else's work that you might find rather demeaning. This could look like, for you, returning to the source could look like, for you, at least it looked like this for for one mom. I am not going to use my certificate. I'm not going to use my education that I could that would give me more money because it's going to cause me to be away from my family more. Instead, I'm going to do this job, see it as a role in my life, cleaning houses, um, you know, whatever, and I'm going to use that paycheck with the flexible hours to be able to fulfill my other roles, being a mom and being a a wife and taking care of a home because those are important too. And I won't let myself or anyone else look down on me because I have this job. There's freedom in that. That's part of returning to the source for us. Another thing of returning to the source is we now have the freedom to take risks at work, appropriately fail at work, and then see what happens. Like you work really hard and it, it misses, you fail. Are you, are you destroyed by that? Is your identity shaken by that? Does the, the, does the boss or the manager come down on you for that? You'll find out really quick what kind of environment you work in and if there's freedom in that. This is, this is where we can go. And even if God has led you to a job that you know nothing about and he's called you to it, Because your identity is not there, you have the freedom to learn in that environment and a freedom to succeed or not. 
if, if this isn't central to our lives, then and we feel like we've done a career for any length of time, and now we're in a new career or we're in a non-career, we don't have to wonder, were those years wasted? God says, from this point forward, will you fulfill this calling I have for you to be in relationship with me, to see others thrive and see others flourish? This should give us an amazing freedom. And ultimately, it means that some of our work and some of our best work, we might never get paid for. And that's okay. God will sustain us. And yes, I know we need money to survive because we're not yet to heaven. We're not yet in this place of the kingdom of earth fully coming to us. But that means that when we create music or when we create art or when we work with a team or design something and, and we get no payment for it, we can celebrate that, find satisfaction in it. We talked about that last week. But not need to find our fulfillment there. Not need to place our identity there because God has given us our identity. So what does returning to the source look like for you? Just ask God right now, as the band comes up, where do I find joy? Where am I finding my worth? Is it in the right place? What am I chasing after? What am I pursuing? Why am I pursuing those things? Is that a selfish ambition that could lead to sin? Or is it truly good? Where am I sacrificing? Maybe you're, maybe you're cutting other things out that maybe God doesn't want you to. But as you, as you think about that, ask yourself why you're sacrificing. Maybe you're trying to find a meaning or a purpose or an identity or a power in that. You need to confess that. Because you can't, probably can't, tomorrow change your situation. But here's the good news. You can change how you view it. And as an image bearer of God, all your power, all your purpose, all your identity, all your worth is in whose you are, not what you do. Can you pray? God, I pray that we would return you to the source. If we've been there, I pray that we would live in a confidence that we're there, that we think about whose we are, that we're yours because of what Jesus has done, that out of that grace that we live, out of that grace we do what we do, that we wouldn't start producing for a need to accomplish or producing for a need of approval, but, but that we would feel your approval, God. I pray that we could return to the source, God, to, to live in this freedom to see our, our work, our roles of what we do, as something that you ask us to do. And that we would offer those things to you, God. God, I pray that no matter what task we have next in the day, that we would feel your joy and your splendor and your smile because we know whose we are, because we return to the source, because we want to live in relationship with you.